0: So it's convenient, it's delicious, it's usually pretty budget friendly. So I found time and again dairy was coming up as something that I was already recommending to the patients that I was working with.
1: Welcome to the Daily Dietitian podcast. I am your host Stacey Mitchell, registered dietitian and personal trainer. I so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. We cut the baloney of the food shaming and focus on making healthy habits that work for you. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind dairy what is your favorite source a glass of milk a cup of yogurt spicy nachos with creamy cheese or the family favorite ice cream now whether you love dairy or maybe you are a little intolerant to dairy there are other options that we will discuss today with registered and licensed dietitian Erin hosington who works for the midwest dairy council Erin shares her background in agricultural studies and then finds her love for nutrition and becomes a registered dietitian. We talk about all the hot dairy topics from nutrition, school nutrition, farming practices, sustainability, the care of the animals, hormones, and yes, we even talk about cow poop. I have learned so much from Aaron, and I don't want to give anything away. So please enjoy this very informative and highly entertaining episode. Yeah. Um, I'm getting my weekly Aaron in. Like last week, we were able to do some business stuff over coffee, and then this week, I get some more of you. So what's on the agenda for next week? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs>
0: Right? I can look at my schedule. I'll put you in. <laughs> Wherever you want to go. Let's do this.
1: I love it. You're so much fun to get to know and work with. Erin, um, can you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do?
0: Absolutely. My name is Erin Hoisington. I am a registered and licensed dietitian. Um, And I work for Midwest Dairy. So I am a wellness manager for Midwest Dairy in the state of Iowa. Um, Midwest Dairy as a whole covers 10 states. Um, So we're pretty large, um, but I'm in charge of Iowa here as far as the wellness goes.
1: Awesome. So what kind of projects are you working on or have you worked on um, tying the two in of being a dietitian and uh, teaching people about dairy?
0: Yeah, um, well, and a little bit of background too, Stacey, I guess I maybe should have shared before, but I originally, when I went to college, um, wanted to be an agricultural education teacher. And so that was my first passion, and that's where I got my first bachelor's degree. Um, It wasn't until later on in life that I went back to Iowa State to get my dietetics degree, because I realized at 30 I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I've always had this background knowledge and passion for kind of both of these things. Um, And so the fit into Midwest Dairy was pretty no-brainer as far as, um, you know, coming into this role. Um, And in this role, I have worked with schools to help them increase participation numbers in their um, meals, their breakfast and lunch meals. And so that's been kind of fun, um, getting a little bit of that food service. Side of things as a dietitian, you know, we go through that as part of our internship. If we haven't, also, then done that for a job, um, and then I also work with them through thought leaders, so individuals like yourself who is uh, who are speaking to consumers about nutrition anyway, um, and just helping to educate those that are speaking about nutrition more about dairy's role in a nutrition uh, in a healthy diet, as well as our role in. Uh, sustainability, and that's sustainability within nutrition and with the planet as well.
1: Erin, this is like the perfect job for you. It's like your two passions combined in one. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> right? When And when I went back to dietetic school, I didn't quite under, Like, I thought I would just have two separate degrees. And it was slowly that I was starting to pick up, like, oh, when we talk about some of these topics that consumers are concerned about with how their food's produced, looking around and nobody else knows what they're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I know what a GMO is. Yeah, I know what organic is versus non-organic farming. Um, so it was like, oh, it clicked in my brain. And then I started to realize, there's jobs out there that combine these too. So yeah, it was, like I said, pretty natural fit when this position came open.
1: I love that. I did not know that about you. This is like your job. Um, so what your passion within the dairy role, would you say, would be your main message main message
0: really the nutrition of dairy is something that's really quite unique um you know I tell people that yeah it was a perfect role for me and the fact that I have that background in agriculture as well as dietetics I didn't really have a background in dairy per se however coming into this role but what I found with my previous positions as a dietitian was that I was already recommending dairy to individuals um it's packed full of nutrition a glass of milk has 13 essential nutrients, the nutrients that our body needs to take in as a form of food. Um, And so it's convenient. It's delicious. It's usually pretty budget friendly. So I found time and again, dairy was coming up as something that I was already recommending to the patients that I was working with. Um, And so that message holds true. You know, I've always said like, I'm a terrible salesman because I just don't have a good poker face. And I've worked in sales before where I did not believe in like what I was selling and I was horrible at it. But with this I mean, I'm selling dairy, but promoting it, it's easy because it's good for you. It's good for the planet. Um, and like I said, it's delicious. Like who doesn't love a piece of cheese or a bowl of ice cream or, you know, a glass of chocolate milk. So that makes it a little easier too.
1: Right. And can you give a glimpse at the nutrition part of it too?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, uh, a glass of milk has 13 essential nutrients. Um, I won't list them all because I think only you and I and any of those other nutrition nerds out there would really be interested. But I can definitely get you that information if you want it. Um, (laughs) What's cool about that too is that within those nutrients, there are three nutrients that are part of the four nutrients of concern as listed by the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. Again, kind of... Nutrition nerd speak there. But the nutrients of concern are nutrients that the dietary guidelines for Americans have recognized that most Americans are not getting sufficient amounts of. And could potentially then lead to um, some health issues. So that's why there are nutrients I'm concerned. If we're not getting enough, it could be affecting our overall health as a population. Um, And like I said, dairy provides three of those four. So those are fiber, which dairy doesn't have any fiber, it'd be, I don't really want to glass of milk with fiber anyway, um, but the calcium, potassium, and vitamin D are all found in dairy foods. And so, again, it's just really this powerhouse of nutrition in one package. It has high quality protein, that's easy to digest. Um, so anything from you know refueling after physical activity um, to, like I said, having that quick On-the-go snack, get a little bit of protein to keep you full longer. If you're choosing not fat-free dairy, so, you know, the low-fat dairy, you're going to even have a little bit of that fat to also help with that satiety, help you feel fuller longer. Um, So it's, like I said, just kind of an easy fit when it comes to how you can make it work into your life. Um, now that being said, I recognize there are challenges sometimes with dairy and that's another piece of things. And I don't know if we want to go down this <laughs> road, <laughs> <See>? <laughs> this is just a whole other thing. I, you know, I mean, obviously there are milk allergies out there and with any allergy, we want to avoid that product at all, you know, and we're not here to tell you otherwise, like definitely if you have a true allergy, dairy is not for you. Um, but what's really neat is some of the other traditional, hurdles that people have experienced, such as lactose intolerance. Um, there's so many products these days that don't have lactose or have low enough lactose that individuals are able to consume them. And so that's been another really interesting piece of the work that I'm learning more and more about. Um, especially with communities of color, we recognize that this, um, has been lactose intolerance is, um, possibly higher in these in certain communities and so traditionally dairy products have been something that they feel that they cannot consume or should not consume um and so it's fun to learn more about that the reasoning why uh, and then helping them to find ways to work it into their diet so they are getting all those essential nutrients um so yeah it's it's really neat because i It takes me in a lot of different directions and kind of stretches me a little bit, which is good, right? work outside of my comfort zone from time to time, Um, but I enjoy that.
1: Um, My daughter is is lactose intolerant, so I'm getting firsthand experience on trying to find those different uh, food sources that help her, whether it be some milk that has a different protein source, like some of those... Uh, A2, I think that's that's one with a different trying on that a lactose free milk, um, you know even kefir which is ninety nine percent lactose free those harder cheeses, and we've just kind of been playing around with different ones for that. Uh, so you you are saying that dairy is or some alternatives uh, in the dairy context they are taking out some of those lactose. Well.
0: And I wouldn't necessarily call them alternatives because okay. when we speak about alternatives, yeah. typically then, <laughs> you know, we're thinking of some of those plant-based milks. Um, and so that is not my specialty. Um, and that is not within the realm of cow dairy, dairy that, you know, we, we're, we're talking about. Um, but like the A2 milk, that is, that has to do with the protein that's in the milk. And still, more research that needs to be done. However, what I do know is that for some indi- individuals who have struggled with traditional milk, they're finding much more success in being able to consume the A2 milk. So, if that's what works for them, by all means, um, you know, it's still cow's milk. It's just the genetics and those cows that produce it produces a different type of protein. So, it's still milk. Lactose free milks, they are also real milk. And this is one of those, I think, misnomers is that if it's lactose free, it's something that's this processed, you know, full of chemicals. It's not. It's cow's milk that's already been treated with the lactase enzyme, which is the enzyme that individuals who struggle with lactose intolerance just don't have enough of to break down that sugar, that lactose and milk. So the companies do it for us ahead of time. So then individuals who struggle with that can drink that milk and not have to worry about their body not being able to break that down for them. Um, But then, yeah, it doesn't have to be milk, right? Like you said, the hard cheeses, the kefir, yogurts, particularly Greek yogurt tend to be lower in lactose. And for any GI issue, it seems individual um, preferences, individual experiences really drive, I think, what works. And there's no one size fits all. And so it is about Doing that experimentation, figuring out what works, what doesn't, how do we fit this in? How do we make this um, work for that individual? And uh, so, yeah, I, I know you're doing that with your daughter and she's still lucky to have you to know what to, what to do, what to go for. Um, but yeah, it, it does. It takes some time and it, it's not just a black or white situation where this is right, this is wrong. Um, it's how do, we, how do we help that individual find what works for them?
1: Right, but good for bringing attention with the lactose-free milk that it is real milk um, and some of those other options too because um, with her trying some of those, she's like, oh, this tastes so good. I love how this tastes. Like she really enjoys the taste of it. It just sometimes hurts her tummy, which is nice to find other options for her to enjoy that. And yes, it's kind of, at first I thought we were... um, it was getting better and then, you know, it kind of goes worse, you know, within the stages of life. So, again, it's all kind of a, that experimentation within there. But if you do have an intolerant, there are other options to get that calcium rich in your diet.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Love that. So thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Um now we talk about the protein source and how many grams of protein are in a glass of milk. I think some people forget eight, about grams. eight grams. Some people forget about that. I was working with a client and I suggested, "How about pairing a glass of milk with that?" And she was like, "Oh, I didn't know it had that many grams of protein." And with the diet mentality, they do kind of focus on so much the alternatives, the plant alternatives, and you sometimes forget about all the nutrients and the protein, the, f- the fillingness that dairy can bring to a meal or snack.
0: Yes. Yes. And it, it is. It's it, one of those, as long as somebody can drink milk, you know, it, it's that easy way to get that protein in. Like I said, it's convenient, right? Even if we're in a hurry, if I know I'm in a hurry, I'm going somewhere, I don't have time to get a snack. I can run into a convenience store and grab a bottle of milk or chocolate milk, right, (laughs) to get a little bit of protein to kind of tide me over until I get to the next meal. Plus, like we talked about, there's all those other great nutrients in there, the calcium, the vitamin D. So it can be an easy way to make sure that you're getting that. And I know that you, a lot of times on your suggestions, on your channels, um, you know, parent a glass of milk or a string cheese or, you know, one of those other items it's delicious, it's quick, it's easy, um, and it really does pack that nutritional punch.
1: Yes. And you talk also about chocolate milk, which is great for refueling after a race. And when I think of chocolate milk, I think of kids. And share with me the sugar content that chocolate milk has in schools versus normal, or like, you know, you'd buy off the shelf. Because I was really surprised by that, and that is something that parents need to know because sometimes they think that school does not offer the most nutritious meals, and I disagree with that. <laughs> um, funny you should say that. I,
0: too, have been uh, recently on social media seeing some, you know, things floating around about school meals, and I also am passionate about school meals, um, and it's tough out there right now. Like, just so... <laughs> Well, I have a soapbox, um, please under, I I just want the, anyone listening to understand that school meal professionals are really facing a lot of challenges right now. There are issues with supply, there are issues with labor shortages. Um, they really have it tough right now and they are living day by day trying to piece it together, but they're making sure that those students are fed, um, for many students, school meals may be the only meals that they get in a given day. And so that program is so important. Um, And I mean, frankly, it gives variety too. Like I know I get into a rut with, you know, at home, it's like peanut butter with waffle and a glass of milk for breakfast every day. (laughs) My kids get sick of it pretty quickly, but they're eating breakfast now at school. So they get that variety. They get a chance. Um, But anyway, so the chocolate milk, that's also one of the things, of course, my kids love about school is that they can, they have that choice of that flavored milk. And I think that, yeah, chocolate milk sometimes gets vilified and chocolate milk can have, a considerable amount of sugar in it, and that's going to vary from, you know, brand to brand. That doesn't necessarily mean that's bad. Um, however, within the school milk category, what you were talking about and or alluding to is that it's actually formulated differently than the chocolate milk that you could just grab off the store shelf. Um, school nutrition standards are quite high as far as how much sodium they can have, how many calories per week or per day, per meal, per um, week. And so these products are formulated so that they are lower in some of those things like added sugars and then chocolate milk. So the students can still enjoy it. They pick up that milk because it tastes good. That way they're getting all that nutrition Nutrition um, versus, you know, maybe grabbing something else that does not have all those nutrients in it, but it also tastes good as far as a beverage. Um, so. I've always been a proponent of chocolate school milk, like I said, not only is it lowering the sugar than what you're grabbing off the shelf at the store, but I'd rather have my kid, if they're going to drink something sweet, I want them to have something that's packed with the calcium, the protein, the vitamin D, the you know potassium um, versus something that may not be.
1: Right. And as it's a quick beverage, it's a very easy way to obtain all those nutrients for the kids because sometimes they just don't eat that much.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean, you know, that's a lot of reasons. I know my daughter complains that she never has enough time at snack time and i still there. I think it's because she talked too much. She is her mother's daughter. Um, But same thing at school meals, right? Like a lot of times this is their first chance to really interact with their peers throughout the day because they've been in class. And so there's a lot of, you know, social activity that goes on at meals as well. Plus, due to a lot of the time constraints that schools are under, sometimes the school meal times are really short Um, and, you know, not placing blame there. I mean, sometimes that's what a school has to do. However, that then doesn't leave a lot of time for those students. So if they can get that carton of milk in, you know, it's pretty quick. As you know, drinking a beverage is usually faster than uh, eating something that we have to chew. Um, But it helps them get some of that nutrition in when they might not otherwise get everything else eaten on their plate.
1: 100%. And by the way, just the other day, my daughter was telling me that she ate everything on her plate. She goes, even the cucumbers. And I was like, I think it was sauteed zucchini. So she even ate the sauteed zucchini. She's like, it was really good. So I need to find the school recipe or even the zucchini. so
0: Right? Right? I know. Isn't that funny? Like, my kid comes home all the time, like, we ate this. You would not touch that with a 10-foot pole at home. I know. Um, but all of a sudden at school, it's like the best thing ever. Right. I'm like, I, you know what? I'm not going to fight this because you're getting in all those fruits and veggies, the milk, the protein, like the whole grains. Love it. Do it up, kid. Do it.
1: Right. And um, remind us what October is. Uh, so
0: in October, we have a special little day that we'd like to celebrate, and that is National Farmer's Day. Um, you know, like I said, I have a passion for agriculture. I grew up on a corn and soybean farm here in central Iowa, and so it's been part of my life, my entire life. In high school, I got more involved in SSA and learned more about the broader spectrum of agriculture, all the ways that, um, you know, food and fiber is produced for our country. Farmers work really hard to get us the things we need, and they and they have to. We have a growing population, yet farmers have less resources to produce more food. Um, and so in October, we really like to celebrate our farmers, uh, particularly with Midwest Dairy. We like to celebrate our dairy farmers. Um, and so, you know, we usually try and do some special things around that. And this year, we have a fun campaign called What You Do, Dairy Does Too, that I know you are excited about as well um, because I think sometimes for most Americans are so far removed from the farm. Usually it's several generations or more for most individuals. We don't really understand what happens on the farm, uh, but dairy farmers, they really do care. They truly do care about the people, the planet and their animals. Um, and so with our campaign, what you do dairy does too. It really kind of helps. I hope consumers, Realize the connections that they have with dairy farmers. And a large portion, like I think the stats, like 95% or more of dairy farms are family farms. And I think that's another misnomer, right? We think sometimes farms, we think large farms, some of even our largest farms, though, are still family owned farms, family run farms. So they want to keep that business going for younger generations. They want to keep the resources around, the clean water, the clean soil, um, you know, the healthy air, so that, again, future generations can continue to do what they've been doing. Um, and they want to care for those animals. Farmers treat their animals better than I sometimes treat my own kids possibly <laughs> <laughs> because they care so much. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I think it's it's a good campaign to hopefully help consumers see all of those great things that dairy farmers are doing for people, animals, and the planet. Um, are oftentimes things that we're, we're doing ourselves.
1: Yes. I'll just go over real quick. The dairy does too campaign. You have recycle that that's within recycling the water, um, self-care for the animals uh, saving energy, um, keeping the animals comfortable, like you even put in here, uh, using sand for bedding to keep them cool, keep them happy, enjoy a massage. I still remember growing up on a farm how many cows would rub against a steel fence and just scratch their back or something like that. Now we didn't have dairy cows, yes. but we had cows, or we had cows and pigs, and you know, you, you really grow kind of a relationship with them, even though if I was just like rounding them up in the pickup truck every evening in the summer, and my dad would be yelling out, come boss, and um just all those yeah. memories of having the animals um w- with that. They were a part of a part of your life, a part of your culture growing up. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's your livelihood right and so it only makes sense that if a farmer is raising animals as part of their livelihood they're going to take care of those animals they want to make sure that they are doing what's right by those animals um you know and keeping them safe and, and keeping them healthy so that they can continue to farm and can continue to do what they've done for probably
1: many years right um, I, I kind of wish my kids could get a glimpse more into the the life that I grew up. I mean, they would they already think I'm silly in the stories that I tell them with you know um, watering pigs or going out to round up the cattle and <laughs> other things like that. But it it is about that that caring culture and you have you share some sustainability sustainability uh, points that. Dairy is focusing on. Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah. So, like I said, uh, sustainability, and this is kind of a wide umbrella term that, again, I'm continuing to learn more about. (laughs) You know, when I think about sustainable nutrition, which is really my focus, that's nutrition that can continue to be produced, um, that is, uh, excuse me, accessible to a wide variety of individuals. And I think that that's an important part of uh, sustainability. And it's something that's going to be healthy for individuals. And so dairy really plays a strong role in that nutrition, sustainability. Um, On the other side of things, though, what most consumers think about when they think about sustainability is the health of our planet, right? And like I said, farmers, they want to continue to pass their farm on for generation to generation. So they're really interested in taking care of that land, that air, that water that they have um, so that they can continue to do that. They understand the importance of that. And it can be little things from having a, uh, you know, one dairy farmer shared with me, they have on the end of their hose one of those nozzles so she can turn it off when she goes to do something else. I mean, it's so simple, right? But I think a lot of us at home know how that is. If you have that nozzle on the end of the hose, you can turn it off and you can save water instead of that water, just running out on the ground. Most farms uh, recycle their water at least three times on the farm. So, you know, they're, they're doing all of these things to make sure that they can continue to take care of the planet. On some farms, they have methane digesters where they can trap that methane gas and actually turn it into energy to power their farm and other homes. A lot of really cool stuff. The dairy community actually has a net zero initiative. So what that means is that by 2050, the year 2050, which seems like a long way off, but it really isn't in the grand scheme of things. um, By 2050, the dairy community will be uh, carbon neutral or better. So, you know, we really recognize that any type of manufacturing of any sort, whether it's food, whether it's products, there is going to be an environmental impact. And the dairy community says like, hey, we we realize that, right? We know that. But we can do better. What can we do to make it so that we are not only having an impact, but also helping the environment? So within that net zero initiative is the commitment to become carbon neutral or better, to optimize water use while maximizing recycling and to improve the water quality by optimizing utilization of manure um, and the nutrients within that manure. So, you know, it's really cool. Like I said, there's so many examples of that that I think most consumers don't realize. Um, For dairy farmers, a lot of times they capture that manure that their cows produce. They can actually separate the solids and the liquid. So this is Again, poop chalk is like normal for dietitians, but for consumers, I think it's maybe not so uh, normal, right? But they can take that cow manure and they can separate the solids from the liquid. They can take those solids and dry them out and they can actually make bedding. It's like essentially compost, right? So it's like soil. Um, and then they can take that liquid and they can apply it to their farm fields as fertilizer. So they're not having to use synthetic fertilizers. So they're recycling that. It's going back into the fields where they're growing the feed for their cows cows themselves are great recyclers. So dairy cows, well, cows in general, and you probably know this, Stacey, from having cows on your farm growing up, but cows can eat a lot of things that humans can't consume. And a lot of those things are actually waste components of foods we do consume. So things like citrus pulp in the states that grow citrus, when those citrus fruits are juiced um, and there's that pulp left, dairy cows can eat that and then produce milk. They can eat, um, you know, Parts of the corn plant, but then the plants left. Well, they can eat that in the form of silage and convert that. What would other be otherwise be waste into nutritious milk, um, almond holes, spent grains from brewing beer. Um, we have dairy farmers in eastern Iowa that actually rescue coffee creamer that has like passed its prime, and they can then work that into the feed and create a healthy meal for the cows that turn it into milk. It was really cool. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent on this. We actually just um, sat in on a webinar last week that there's studies that show that dairy cows, the emissions that they produce are less than the emissions that are produced if those feed stuff, that stuff that I was talking about that would otherwise just go into a landfill, if it just went into a landfill and decomposed. If it went into the landfill, it would produce more greenhouse gases than the cow does. So the cow can eat it, produce less. Anyway, fascinating, fascinating science behind it all. Um, And this is, it's grounded in science. Another reason why working for the dairy industry is a no-brainer. As a dietitian, we know that science is our bread and butter, right? If it's not backed by science, we're not going to be out there touting it. Um, And the dairy community does a really good job to ensure that the science is sound. They make decisions based on science and so it's not just willy-nilly we're trying things it's hey let's look at how we can truly drill this down and make this work um so yeah (laughs) a whole tangent there. um and Stacey, i also wanted to mention you know you'd mentioned that you wanted your kids to have a better idea of what it's like to grow up on a farm and a better understand it and there are a lot of resources out there so i'm going to have a shameless plug here um there is a resource online at this discoverdairy.com that has various lessons for students. Um, There's the Adopt-a-Cal program, which is really fun that a lot of classrooms can do. Um, And a lot of different materials aimed toward those younger consumers. Um, And so it's really neat to kind of dig around there, virtual farm tours. You know, there's some things that maybe... Students can't step foot on a farm, you know, due to where they live, what, you know, what their circumstances are, but they can take a virtual farm tour and see what it's like to live on a dairy farm, see what it's like to be a farmer, see what it's like to take care of those cows. So anyway, that's another little, uh, another little piece of it.
1: Awesome. We're totally going to dive into that and, and check those out. Um, Fascinating on the reusing of different items and things like that. Um, We had a silage pit. Growing up, and that's what we would... My brother would ramp his bike and fall into all the silage pit. I mean, (laughs) that was my bike route. (laughs) I would... From the house to the silage pit. And it it was all gravel, too. So, I mean... (laughs)
0: yeah oh, yeah, oh if my yeah, kids
1: would do that. They'd be like, What in the world this is this is hard so um <laughs> i love I love hearing all those little good tidbits that that you share with with that because you know, when you're watching a documentary on nutrition and farming, um, methane, those gases are a big topic of discussion, and, yeah the cows do get a kind of a kind of a, a diss on, on some of those, but it's good to see how that kind of transcribes and what they're doing um, to keep it going.
0: Right. Well, and yeah, with the greenhouse gases, I mean uh, genetics of cattle are, you know, that is a, a big focus in uh, making sure that we can get those genetics and, and look for those genetics in cattle that produce less methane that so I mean and the feed stuff the cows have nutritionists which always makes me twitch because as a dietitian here's a little tip for anyone listening who doesn't know as dietitians many of us twitch a little bit when we're called nutritionists so every time nutritionists are mentioned in the dairy world I get a little twitch and then I remember no for cows they are called nutritionists and dairy farmers work with dairy cow nutritionists who come in and a the feed that they're feeding their cattle. And depending on the part of the life or um, life cycle of the cow, they're going to change up what types of feed that they're feeding them and in what ratios, essentially like their macros, like we would think about macros, right? It's like helping them figure out their macros and their micronutrients. And so they You know, are also doing research in what are ways that we can change the feed for the cattle to also reduce those emissions, right? How can we make it so that it affects them in different ways, and so they're emitting less greenhouse gases? So again, a lot going on in the dairy community to meet this net zero initiative by 2050, um, and you know, continue to take care of this planet that we live on because. The population is continuing to grow. And like I said, the amount of land that is available to produce food is shrinking day by day. And so dairy farmers, particularly, and I think farmers in general, understand that this is something that we have to be part of the solution, not just part of the problem.
1: Yes. Now, if we could only come up with a way to take our excretions and turn that into energy, then we'd really be on to something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our home's powered by belches, so that'd be cool <laughs> i know i didn't know the right terminology or the right word to like say it properly or professionally <laughs> with that so yeah when i'm talking to my kids it's a different story but yes right oh yeah yes um and you know there's one little part in here too that you uh, point in there that your dairy comes within 300 miles like sometimes we may think oh it's shipped across this way but it is very local
0: it is that's a great point Stacey. you're so good you're (laughs) hitting all these important points that I maybe wouldn't think about Um, so dairy actually is a local food Uh, when we talk about you know some of the things that are going on in the nutrition world and some of those things that consumers especially in the United States Our concern about is local foods, uh, you know, we think about it, they're not transported as far. And so the greenhouse gas emissions from the transport trucks are less, so on and so forth. And dairy is a local food. The average American lives within uh, no more than 300 miles from the nearest dairy farm. So we have dairy farms spread out across the United States. And also, it only takes approximately 48 hours for milk to go from the cow to the grocery store shelf. So I think that that's another thing that just blows people's minds is that dairy's fresh. And so, you know, we want to eat fresh foods that are locally produced. Dairy fits in that realm. It's minimally processed. I mean, it is processed to get rid of any uh, potential unhealthy pathogens. uh, And it also is enhanced with uh, nutrients like vitamin D to help get those nutrition, uh, those nutrients of concern. Uh, but it's really minimally processed. And so, you know, we can feel good about we're, what we're consuming as well.
1: Um, yes. And there are not many foods that vitamin D sources, you know, foods natural. There are just a few that have that have been fortified with vitamin D. So it's very important to obtain that within your diet.
0: Right. Right, especially in the Northern Hemisphere when we don't get as much sunlight um, to produce it ourselves. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, dairy is one of those sources of vitamin D, and that's why it's nutrient of concern. Not enough people are getting enough of it. Yes. Um, and, you know, the recommendation for adults is three servings of dairy per day. We're falling short as an American population, but for most individuals, getting just one more serving per day could help me that three servings per day. So, it's not an outrageous, outrageous change in the diet. And I think sometimes working with clients, right, it's hard because there's a lot of changes that need to be had and so it can become overwhelming. Like said with dairy, it's usually a pretty easy step and people feel good, like they can, they can meet that recommendation to get those nutrients.
1: Could you also touch a little base on hormones in the milk? and? Yes. So I'm thereof. <laughs> but explain right. that. So this is definitely not my
0: area of subject matter expertise, right? Like I'm definitely more in the nutrition realm. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be maybe given as in depth as what some of our farmer relations who work with our dairy farmers directly could do. So I'm just giving that caveat. Um, but yeah, hormones. First thing with hormones that it, just even personally, we all have hormones. Plants have hormones, right? I mean, hormones are what, um, you know, can, like, help drive life processes. And so, hormones are not necessarily a bad thing, first of all. Second of all, um, some cattle are treated, dairy cattle are treated with a hormone. um, But because of consumer demand, a lot of dairy farmers saw that consumers didn't want to see that. And so, You'll sometimes see your dairy products say milk produced without added hormones. Again, that's, that's a value based decision. And, you know, I'm not here to say one way or the other, scientifically speaking, I'm saying it doesn't matter as far as how it affects our body. Because um, third, and I think most importantly is that every truckload of milk that leaves a farm is tested numerous times to ensure that it is pure. So, in the United States, we're very blessed that we have one of the safest food supplies on the planet, and you know, it's because of regulations like these. It's making sure that before that milk even gets to the processor, where it's made into a different product or where it's bottled as fluid milk, they're testing to make sure that there are not antibiotics or home hormones present. Um, so, you know, not only are they minimally
1: used.
0: Uh, but even if they are used, it's not making its way into that milk. It's making it way, its way to the store.
1: I think about 10 years ago, there was like a huge push where it even was posted on the package of the, the milk container. Um, you know, it said the hormone not added and, you know, that's something to remember, um, with all the other mess and clutter that we hear within the nutrition world. So yeah. key point. Yes.
0: Yes. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs> nope. You're, you're safe. You're yes. Safe. <laughs> yes.
1: And I think as, you know, moms too, that's something that uh, we hear about um, and making sure that it is safe for our kids to consume. So um, no worries there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Oh yeah. I know. Yes. yes. We consume a lot of dairy in our household. I'm also <laughs> yeah. a mother of two um, growing girls. And uh, yes, I, as, not only as a professional, but as a fellow mother, i fully confident in milk safety yes. um, and dairy safety. Yes.
1: Um, lots of great information from learning about the farming to the nutrition. Is there any other last words or other tidbits that you want to share with us? Um. Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, now it's my platform. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> well, um, I think maybe... Just as, you know, as a dietitian and and also thinking about my role within dairy is something that I wish more people understood is that there's no magic cure, right? There's no magic pill when it comes to nutrition. There's no perfect way of eating. Um, and, And to be accepting of that is something that I think our society and us as individuals, myself included, sometimes struggle with. But it's about finding the right balance of healthy foods, getting a good balance of dairy foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, proteins, um, you know, finding what works for you to ensure that you're getting healthy meals. And that might mean that it looks different in a cultural context as far as what you grew up on from a cultural standpoint and, you know, the foods that you enjoy. Um, whether it's just about maybe you're changing from what you ate as a young child and you're trying to make healthier choices, um, it's never going to be perfect. And to just be accepting and okay with that um, and be able to just take small steps to make it better day by day, um, I think if we gave ourselves a little bit more grace and a little more credit for the things we are doing, uh, we'd probably all be a little better off.
1: Right. Great message. I love it. Um, we will head into our little closing questions and then that's a wrap. So easy peasy, huh? Okay. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, first question, if you were on a TV show, which one would you be in?
0: So this is probably, um, the hardest question. I know you, you know, gave this ahead of me to me ahead of time so that I could think about it. Um, Probably something like Friends. I'm a little bit out there um, sometimes, just a little quirky, and it's taken me many years to get comfortable with that, but like a good friend of me, mine shared with me once, um, getting used to my awkwardness and accepting it, and I feel like I fit in, so pretty well, especially with Phoebe Buffet. so it might date me to say that Friends would be the show that I'd go on, um, but I think that that's where I'd probably fit in best.
1: That's a, that would be my answer too. So we maybe that, maybe that's why we get along so well.
0: <laughs> I think it is. We could be roommates on friends, Stacey.
1: I love it. You know, most days when I'm working, I just have that on in the background. It just makes me happy. Well, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's ever going to go out of style.
1: Never. <laughs> or uh, I hope. I know. Uh, what is one food someone has said a dietitian eats that? what don't they say? Right. I feel like it's everything. Um,
0: no, I I mean, my family, some of the worst, they'll apologize to me for feeding my children something that they, in their head, they're not perfect. Um, and I'm always like, really, unless you're feeding them controlled substances that they are (laughs) like, we're good. Right. Uh, Ice cream. Ice cream has always been my favorite food. I'm not even just saying this because I work with the dairy community. Um, but ice cream, I mean, I, since I've been little, can eat it dead of winter or a height of summer. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, I think I get judged. At the grocery store, if somebody knows I'm a dietitian. you know, they're eyeballing my cart, especially that ice cream. But again, like I had shared, it's about moderation. It's about finding those foods Nutrition is not just about the health of our bodies, but it's also our mental health and our emotional health. And once in a while, doggone it, you just need a comfort food such as ice cream. For me, that's the one I pick.
1: I love it. Got to have that ice cream. Um, Best or latest book you have read?
0: This one was actually pretty easy. So I don't read a lot for uh, pleasure, but I had taken a vacation this summer and, um, I was at the airport and I just picked up a book to read while I was at the airport, and it was amazing. And uh, it's called *The Silent Patient* by Alex. I think it's pronounced Michaelides. Oh my word! It was such a thriller. We went on a later vacation. I bought his other book, *The Maidens*, also fantastic. So if you like kind of suspense and um, kind of like you know trying to figure it out, uh, oh, *The Silent Patient* and *The Maidens* both by the same author. Um, fantastic.
1: Awesome. Good. I've seen The Silent Patient, but I just, yeah, I need to put that on my list now. So yay. Yeah. Love you do
0: <laughs> So good.
1: <laughs> so good. There's nothing better when you can like want to read, you know, when you find that book and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go back and sit down and read. I love that. I think I read it within like 24 hours. <laughs> I'm not even kidding.
0: Like, (laughs) stayed up way past my bedtime, you know, like every free second I was picking that book up. Yes, that is unlike me. So, yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's a good
1: one. Good. Erin, this was fantastic. Appreciate all your information, knowledge about dairy. Um, I'm so excited to even get on that website and show my kids too, to get them to know. So, such good stuff. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. And yeah. No.
0: I think we should have maybe regular coffee <laughs> days just to uh, catch up on life. And, uh...
1: Oh my goodness! I have learned so much about dairy, and my favorite parts were learning about the sustainability in the dairy farming practices. This is amazing. What did you learn, or what were your favorite parts? I could listen to Erin all day with her wealth of knowledge. And I think sometimes we forget about milk or other dairy sources because maybe we cut it out due to cutting carbs. And then we realize it is a high quality source of protein providing 13 essential nutrients. And let's make note, most Americans are not getting enough calcium, potassium, and vitamin D, which can all be found in dairy foods. I hope you enjoyed this episode and say cheers with a glass of milk, or my favorite, a hot cappuccino. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.